Hey everyone, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the until the end of time. I don't know what I choked on just now. It was literally <laughs> just air, not drinking, not eating, wasn't even moving. Just suddenly, my full body just kind of shut down very briefly. You know, nightshade doesn't heal, it reveals. I was going to say, speaking of not, of bodies kind of shutting down a little bit, though, yeah. am I right? Uh, you are right. You are right, Colin. And uh, today is one of the patented uh, Luke Cage episodes where it's a story being told. So it flashes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So mm-hmm. let's um, let's get into the timestamp. And then once we're through that, we can uh, we can talk about what happens. You know, the normal way, but like it's going to be a bit. Hold on a second. One of the funniest finish it jokes of all time is he takes a step forward, mm-hmm. step by step, step. the normal mm-hmm. way. That I think about that often, <laughs> especially because yeah, you know, again that the normal way really takes him off guard. Yeah, so because he's like trying to get his next sentence out and then he just breaks down. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, it is true. It, that joke is truly an influential piece of comedy for for my own sense of humor, which is wild to think about, but it is true. So, you're going to be watching Luke Cage, Season 2, Episode 11. Here's what's going to (laughs) happen. You're going to start at 29.35 and go to 31.38. Then you're going to skip four seconds and start at 31.42 and go to 32.01. You're going to skip six seconds and start at 32.07 and go to 32.15, then 32.24 to 32.27, 32.33 to 32.36, 32.38 to 32.40, 32.45 to 32.47, and 32.51 to 33.11. Now, listen. What I did today was just start at 29.35 and then stop it at 33.11. Correct. And that's fine. You're going to be confused about who this other dude is. Right. And don't even think, what I want to say is don't even think about it. Hey, my, baby, don't, don't just, don't even think about it. My perspective is we're telling you which parts of it we're actually discussing. Right. But the idea of that, like, instead of skipping, because a lot of the times it only lets you skip 10 seconds at a time, do sort of what I do, which is like, see no evil kind of situation, right. or like peekaboo. The second right. that I see something that I know is clearly present day, I just cover my eyes, and then when I can tell we've done like a, a like a story shift, I go back. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Or again, I just go. That's not for now. To myself right. was what I actually do, and then I go. Now we're back, and now it's not. There, now we're back. I'm excited to talk about. There's a cool like parallel like shot that they do with the, what we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about, and what they do with uh, Tilda, and like mm-hmm. that stuff. It's so cool. Also, Tilda Johnson is an actual Marvel person. She mm. plays night. She's she's the character. She's the villain Nightshade, and then she was briefly in 2017 Nighthawk. Oh, interesting. But we're not going to talk about her <laughs> for many years. Okay, so here's what happens. Uh, John McIver, who will from this point on be called Johnny, because I can call him John McIver or Johnny, but not Johnny McIver or John. That's just who I am is selling fruit in the marketplace in Trenchtown when Pete Stokes comes up and shoots him twice in the belly. 
As he walks away, Pete says for John to tell Quincy McIver that that was for Buggy Stokes. Auntie Ingrid begs her husband, Anansi, to not let him die. Anansi takes Johnny up to Mata Miri's house. She's a bushwoman and a healer. She makes a concoction of nightshade for Johnny to breathe in. He reacts violently to it, but then the bullets pop out and he survives. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. It's an intense, yeah. uh, it's an intense uh, little scene there. Colin, thoughts? Opinions? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's cool because like it does remind me of the classic film X2. Sure. Right? Where uh, Wolverine does take, you know, some bullets, specifically one to the dome, but because yep. of his adamantium skull and also because he heals, uh, it gets like pushed out of his body and like, you know, it just sort of heals over, but not instead of healing over it, it forces it out first and then heals right. kind of behind right. it as it goes out. So it's kind of cool. So it's like the exit wound is the entry wound, you know? Right. Um, or exit point, I guess, because it's not a wound uh, right. anymore. But it's cool. I think it's neat. It's definitely like, okay, we're starting to lean in towards sort of like a magic type situation yeah. here, yeah. which is like... I mean, it's fine. Like, right? I guess I, I guess yeah. it makes sense. I mean, like Luke Cage has some stuff in it that's not exactly like real world anyway. Right. You know, it's just one of those things where this is one of those moments where it does slightly take you out a little bit in terms of like the fact that like so much of this show is very much just like this is real world application kind of thing. Right. And then now you're like, well, I mean, do all that. That's fake. You know, I mean, where you're like, if you did that in real life, the person would just die. <laughs> But the, the I think the thing that, that Luke Cage, what I'm about to say, I, I agree with for Luke Cage 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think I agree with it for John McIver too. I think one of the, the interesting things that Luke Cage does is sort of say, okay, but what if gunshots couldn't kill you? How would a black I mean, man live their life? That's a very good point. And, oh, you know, I never really thought about the fact that there was a parallel between the two in this particular regard in my head i was just thinking like again you know it's just sort of like pete is out here doing you know his his task his duty you know i wasn't necessarily thinking about it in the same way that because he is shot in a different way i would argue than you know uh luke cage is typically shot at right um but like yeah no it's a good point these are two men who you know bullets don't or can't or won't or whatever kill it's like um, a fulfilled potential almost like mm. if you if if being if being shot in this very dangerous culture that you're being raised in doesn't do anything what would you do and and they sort of make two different decisions which is kind of a, that is also a very uh, good point I mean again it's also still once again a bit of nature versus nurture type situation sure. too you know um it's that it's the, the the story that we've mentioned time and time again of you know you're handed a you're or you're dealt a bad hand, and some people use it as a reason to rise above, and other people use it as an excuse to be something else, you know, right? Or or okay, maybe not an excuse, but like they use it as their reason to push. Perhaps right. is maybe a better way of wording that. You know, the fact that Luke Cage has no connection to the Stokeses or the McIvers mm-hmm. is interesting to me. And it sort of puts it in more of a real world area because like in the Shakespeare play that this also Luke Cage also sort of, you know, sort of 
side of the eye, side of the eye. It's kind of a Shakespearean sort of deal. Oh, yeah. Luke Cage would be a Stokes. <laughs> like, mm. and he go, you know, they have the parallel. But Luke Cage is kind of the Mercutio, which is kind of weird. Like, he's this neither person. He's sort of the opposite of Mercutio because he, he doesn't get along with either of the families. But anyways, he's a Mercutio, no. So one of the things though, that I think is interesting here is that I actually, well, I agree with you, but I actually almost, hang on. I almost feel more like there is a Shakespearean play happening and Luke Cage stumbles into it. <laughs> yes, like, I'll agree with that. Yes. Like Luke Cage is not necessarily supposed to be there. This is, right. you know, this is your, um, you know, uh, any any of those, you know, uh, plays that he has that would be, I mean, oftentimes it's just two families, you know, kind of like at war or whatever, you know. Right. Um, but like. I think specifically there's also something to be said about, you know, how he he kind of has that that way of frequently not really wanting to get involved. Right. Which I think is again kind of just the the way of life of wanting to sort of self-preserve sort of situation, but then also recognizing yeah. kind of the the stereotypical like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility type right. mentality. But also Knowing that, like, he would feel worse not doing something for other people when he knows that he can, right now, which again, I know is still sort of the great power comes great responsibility, but that's a little bit more of like specifically based around community versus like an overarching like goodness, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, like his his desire to protect his his own kind of, you know, um, which also, I guess, is also family, right? Because like community frequently is also family to to, to right. people, you know. Right. Um, you kind of have two families in a way is really kind of what it boils down to. Uh, yeah. But like, it's also, I mean, I don't know, like it would be like if in a Shakespeare play, you had a third family that you could have been at peace with on either side, but then like you directly involved yourself with them or right. vice versa, like, and then, like, then that sort of forces them to jump into the fray. And then you're like, oh, right. wait a minute. Wait, why is this guy here? Um, right. Which I think is very, uh, a very fascinating. Like, He's a, so like a little bit like the prince, like the prince at the end of Romeo and Juliet, who's like, yeah. all right. All right, everyone. Let's, okay, Katie. What, what Katie, is happening okay. here? Oh, okay, Katie. Letter Katie? No. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's sorry. been a bit. When, the way you were like, okay. All right. And the way he's like, okay, Katie, Katie, okay. You know, like just when he's like, not kind of sure what to say, but like he's saying, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel that. Uh, uh, it feels like, I don't know, Luke Cage. Uh, well, okay, I should not talk about Luke Cage because I mean, there's like more because we haven't really gotten there, but like, right. This is again, also kind of the same thing for, uh, for Johnny. Right. Right. Which is that like, yeah, he's a part of the family, but like, he's clearly different. He's not involved. Really, by any of them, yeah. and yet they choose him to be the one to serve a mess. I mean, maybe it's because, in a way, that hurts more because he isn't involved, and they're almost maybe trying to protect him or something. I don't know what the, you know, there's so much to be to be said there. You know, um, right? Um, about how the family treats him and keeps him sort of oh, very different than Cornell, actually. Yeah. When you think about it, right? That's also yeah. another parallel, right? Where Cornell kind of wants to stay away, but like. You know, to, to some extent, but like they keep kind of dragging him in. 
Whereas right. Johnny kind of seems inquisitive and sort of wants to be involved, but they're like, no, 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 go, yeah. go do work at the hotel or the, the resort or whatever. They're like, go do this, go be somewhere else, you know? Right. Uh, and yet he keeps kind of getting, getting involved in right. things happening to the poor boy. Yeah. Um, so it's like, that's, I think there's a very interesting parallel within that as well. Yeah. Um, this scene is the most heartbreaking scene when he holds up the coin. He's like, look, I got paid. And like the, the you know, uh, Sheldon is over there like, good job. And I'm like, ah. And then Pete comes up and ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Like the parallel world where Johnny McIver just got to, you know, live his life. Yeah. So. Mm, sliding doors. Um, mm. So what is also interesting is because we're talking about these scenes, one being in season two. The other scenes being in season one, right. which this now starts to paint another picture about another character, Pete. Right. Which is interesting. Like, I, to some extent, like, I wish that we were talking about these in order of what season they were in. Sure. Right. Because of the the sort of story painting that's happening here. But that's not how we do our show. We do our show chronological. Right. So, like, you are seeing right now a bit of a different side of Pete than you saw in the previous scene. Right. That we discussed. I think it's. So originally, a little peek behind the curtain, originally this was going to come after another season one episode. But the way that MC Wiki had worked out the calendar, this happens before, which actually for me makes a little bit of sense. We're seeing Pete kind of more and more sort of act on his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is sort of a like... If you think about it in that in that way, you're sort of like, did Mabel send him or did he just go? <laughs> I was just about to actually ask you that. I was going to say, now it's interesting that you said acting on his own. I'm curious if you think that he was doing that sort of from his own free will necessarily, or if that was Mabel was like, send them a message. Yeah, I think that Pete just went and did it on his own. Interesting. Because it was two years after they'd been like, Two years later. So it was like. Fair, fair. It's, you don't need to whatever. But then if Pete is making power moves, which we talked about a little bit last time, we'll talk about a little bit next time. Um, so, OK, so then here's a question for you. Okay. Uh, which is what does he gain from doing this necessarily? Like now. Uh. <laughs> oh, ooh, 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 ooh! Pete is taking out heirs with Cornell. He's trying to like get him out of the business in one way. Interesting. With John McIver, he's trying to get him out of the business that way because he wants it. Mm. And he wants it. Anyways. I see. He's the last airbender. Uh, the airender. Damn. That would have been a better the, joke. The last air. You can edit it. I yeah, think okay, you should edit let, it. Let me, let me do. Let me real quick. Hey, let, let's do another take. Okay. Uh, and you'll pretend this is the first take. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> mm, I see. <laughs> oh, sorry. I haven't done it yet. Okay, here we go. Here, here's, uh, here it is. Mm, I see. The last airbender. Fuck. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's It's... 
it's such a typical sentence that it's so hard to not say it. Okay, here we go. Here, here, is, for real. here, here is for real. Hmm, I see. The last air ender. <laughs> right, exactly. Why did you make that face where you were uh, actually disdained by the laugh that you made? I don't, I don't get that. What was that about? <laughs> I don't. I have no idea, Colin. What, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, he said, changing the subject quickly. Do you want to do a very quick and uneventful Avengers Ensemble? Uh, if I must. Avengers Ensemble. There's a bunch of young characters that we meet that we're going to meet later. Uh, but I was like, who is? So anyways, we'll, we'll get to, but a bunch of these are going to be no real nerdy stuff. So we're going to go through them very quickly. Uh, Anansi, who is the guy that takes uh, him up to Maramiri is uh, played by Desmond Elisha Dennis. Uh, no real nerdy stuff for him. Also, Anansi is the name of the spider in all those African folk tales. And I think of that every single time. Um, mm. uh, Sheldon, who is the guy that that uh, John calls to and says, hey, look, I got this coin for selling the whatever, uh, is the name of the guy in the other scene, like the modern day scenes that has brought him to Tilda Johnson. Oh, interesting. So then when does he go over to Big Bang Theory? <sighs> Nigel, who <laughs> I love this change of energy because this very much feels like a the shoe is on the other foot right now type situation. Yeah. Feels very weird. He, he is young Sheldon, and 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 that's not to be denied. Although I have been trying to get away from calling people young, uh, because as far as we know, they are just the normal age, um, the normal <laughs> age, mm, um, the normal age. <laughs> uh, Nigel, or young Nigel. Um, or little Nigel, no, or normal just Nigel. Nigel, normal, just Nigel, just um, Nigel, <laughs> uh, is played by Alex Allen. Uh, no other credits at all. This is the only thing that he has credited for in uh, on IMDb. I don't remember if we meet Nigel as an adult, uh, but I wrote him down on my spreadsheet, and I wrote him down here in case we do. Now. Matamiri is played by a woman named Lantoinette Steins or Lenora Antoinette Steins or Lantoinette Osun Awade Wimo Steins. She has been in a couple of movies, but she's important. So I think it's really cool that they cast her as this character. I think it's weird a little bit because she's not doing the thing that she's sort of the thing that she's sort of known for, but we'll get into it. So, uh, she is a a Jamaican director, choreographer, author, actor, and dancer. She is the founder and artistic director of Lakadco, a United Caribbean dance force, an industry leading contemporary dance company based in Jamaica. Steins is also the creator of the first Anglo Caribbean modern contemporary training procedure called Lantech. Lantech is an eclectic Caribbean contemporary technique that synthesizes African influences, Caribbean folklore, and is dominated by Jamaican Afro-Caribbean forms. Lantoinette Steins holds a PhD from the University of the West Indies, uh, Mona Campus in Kingston, Jamaica, in cultural studies. Steins is especially acclaimed for her work as a choreographer, technique professor, and teacher. She lectures internationally on the traditional da- on the traditional dance forms, traditional dance forms, such as Kumina, Brookins, Nyab. Bingi and Dancehall, 
and the contemporary dance census Lantec. Mm. So she is a pretty famous, influential Jamaican dancer. I once tried to do dance hall, but I yeah. kept crashing. So, um, also, you said something about land tech earlier, and uh, I didn't realize it was a dance that was required where it's like four or more people all connected through Ethernet cables together. Thank you. This is my... I, I couldn't do any jokes in the last episode, so I've just been really saving up, you know? That's okay. I'm going to say that's very funny. Good job, Colin. Thank you. I also want to point out that uh, she created this thing that I'm pretty sure she goes by, you know, her name is Lenora Antoinette. She goes right. by Lantoinette, L apostrophe. It's very good. And this is called Lantech, L apostrophe, A-N-T-E-C-H. So she named it after herself. And I think that that's, yeah. That's sick, yeah. Lantech. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, so she's like, by the way, when we do that, just in right. case you never know what we're doing during that, it is, it's, we're making fun of the maladies type, yeah. type, you know, yeah. bro or whatever you want to call it. Right. The fedora um, guy. The fed- yeah, exactly. Um, I just think it's really cool that they put someone in this that is sort of a Jamaican cultural touchstone. I think that's really, really cool. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Nope, never mind. Thought I had another. Okay. Uh, point but I, I i forgot it so um i uh wanted to tell you that uh sort of an abandoned bit sort of deal i was going to ask you about uh smoking like smoking your meat mm. um and if you'd ever like because in this she makes us sort of a smoke of of nightshade and she's like the nightshade doesn't heal it reveals and like it gets whatever like colin have you ever uh <laughs> And then that's why I abandoned the bit because I had Colin does smoker. There's smoke in this question mark, question mark, question mark equals bit. So I didn't do that. Sure. What I did, I did look up was uh, Trenchtown, Trenchtown, which uh, Hmm. is where this is established by the Chiron takes place. Um, It is a neighborhood located in the parish of St. Andrew, port of which, or sorry, part of which is in Kingston, the capital and largest city in Jamaica. Yep. In the 1960s, Trenchtown was also known as the Hollywood of Jamaica. Today, Trenchtown is the location of the Trenchtown Culture Yard Museum, a national heritage site presenting the unique history and contribution of Trenchtown to Jamaica. It's the birthplace of rock steady and reggae music, as well as the home of reggae and Rastafari ambassador Bob Marley. The, those two facts are probably coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> the neighborhood gets its name what are the from... Whoa, it's so it's so lucky that that Bob Marley was born in the place where reggae started. Um, The neighborhood gets its name from its previous designation as Trench Pen, 400 acres of land once used for livestock by Daniel Power Trench, an Irish immigrant of the 18th century. Uh, Colin, have you seen those TikToks where they talk about the Irish influence on the Jamaican Patois? I don't think so, no. There were Irish people that were the maids in Jamaica, and they taught the the enslaved peoples how to talk, how to speak English. Sure, yeah. But of course, they taught it with an Irish accent, which is where mm. the Jamaican patois comes from. So, if you listen to someone like Aisling, um, Aisling, uh Bay, right? Bay, yeah. She was on a talk show with um, Big Nasty. Bay or B. Asian B, Asian B, Asian B, yeah. It's spelled um, B E A, right? But it's but it's B, yeah, yeah. Um, but she is Bay, so I'm I'm not I'm confused. That's so um, true. Yeah, that's why I got so confused. Um, 
she was on a, a show with Big Nasty. Do you know that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was having her and this other Irish guy read Jamaican phrases, mm-hmm. which sound exactly Jamaican because it it is exactly Jamaican. Right. Like it's it's the same. Sure. It's the same roots. I could of, see that accent. Yeah. I could see like I mean a lot of like even just thinking about it, like logistically like the way that the yeah. word me is used for example. Yeah. yeah. Same. Exactly. Yeah. So so it makes sense that Daniel Power Trench, an Irish immigrant, is what Trenchtown is named after mm. because that you know that that same Irish influence. Uh, the Trench family abandoned the land in the late 19th century. Trenchtown is home to the communities of Wilton Gardens, Federal Gardens, Arnett Gardens, Havana, Buckers, and others. Trenchtown is, today is also home of two Jamaica, two of Jamaica's top Premier League football club teams, Arnett Gardens and Boys Town. I don't know. Will owned uh, a football team. Well, you know, where there's a will... There's a football team. There's a Wilton Gardens. Um, the, that was Arnett, James. Will Arnett. No, I get it. Oh, no, okay. I get it. I get it. Uh, I thought you were going for the other one. I was like, no, just... Okay. I was like, come on now. I was going for the other one because it was a switch-up. It was a switch-up. I see. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, Trenchtown Rock by, uh, by Bob Marley and then covered by other people. Um, also, I think of... Uh, uh, Wyclef Jean talking about uh, Trenchtown in No Woman No Cry, which I suppose is also Bob Marley. So, yeah. anyways, um, it was cool to to learn a little bit about Trenchtown in this uh, for this episode. Yeah. Get down to the trench towns of it all, you know. Yeah, exactly. Get, get in the trench. Okay, maybe. I see. I see. Get in the comments. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe maybe not for this one. Uh, yeah. Comments. I don't have anything else, by the way. I don't have anything else either. Do you want to take cool. us out of here? Yeah. Should I uh, Should I get us out of here and do this one for Buggy? I guess. What a Yes, I, sure. Should I push us out like the bullets? Yes. There we go. That's somehow better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, it's, you know, the, it's not great, but it's better. The Excelsior doesn't heal, it reveals. Mm, I see. Um, all right. Well, anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in to Timeline Scavengers. We'll catch you on the next one. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. Excelsior!